everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm so excited you're here with me. And today, my special guest is Paul Darty. Paul and his wife, Ashley Darty, have served as the lead pastors of Victory Church for the past five years. They lead full lives at the church with all its ministries, as well as raising their four kids and their beautiful Liam, Benaniah, Mac, and Eliana. They're passionate about people having a genuine encounter with Jesus. They have a heart to see all ages, all ethnicities, and all backgrounds empowered through the local church. Pastor Paul has completed his bachelor's degree in theology from Oral Roberts University and is currently working on his master's degree. He has written several worship albums as well as several mini books. He continues to write with Victory Worship, producing songs for Victory Worship albums and projects. Pastor Paul often travels internationally for missions, crusades, pastors' conferences, and also speaks at churches to equip believers to fulfill their God-given purpose. Well, welcome, Pastor Paul. I'm so honored to have you today. Hey, so glad to be be with you today. Well, we met at a conference, speaking of pastors' conference, we met in Orlando uh, before the pandemic hit. And uh, we were both speaking at Synergize, and we happened to be in the same kind of segment so quickly got to meet behind stage in the green room. And, and I just was so impacted by your story and the way God is using you. So you're, I, I couldn't wait to have you on the podcast. So thank you for so much for just taking your time to be with us today. Hey, I'm glad to be with you. And yeah, that was awesome uh, being part of that conference with you, getting to hear your story, hear you speak. And yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Well, Pastor Paul, we we talk a lot here on the podcast about how we can discover miracles, even in life's messy moments, every day and messy seasons. And for all of us, it's been one large collective messy season. And I want to talk in a few minutes about what it has looked like for you to pastor through a pandemic and your creative approaches. My husband and I are pastoring out here in Washington, D.C. And so we've followed closely the way God is using Victory Church and, and your ministry out there. But before we do that, I really would love to just invite you to share your story because I heard it at Synergize and I know it's going to deeply impact our audience in the same way that, that it had did for me. So can you kind of share how you came even to pastor the church that you're leading now? Yeah. So, well, it was really um, the night my father passed away of cancer. It was in 2009. I was 24 years old, just turned 24, just got married three weeks prior to him passing away. He Mm. was 57. It was a crazy, um, really rapid, fast, aggressive cancer that we didn't even know about until a month and a half before he passed. We actually found out that he had secretly been battling cancer. He didn't want uh, his kids to know, to be worried about him, and he didn't really want to tell the church. And so he had been battling it for about a year um, and only my mom knew. And so we found out when it got really bad and he had, he got rushed to the hospital. um, And it was right around the time that I was about to get married. And he said, don't worry, I'm going to be okay. You know, the doctor's saying your dad has cancer. And we were like, Mm -hmm. wait, what? 
so when I heard those words prior to him passing at that time, I was pastoring our college ministry. Um, I had graduated from college uh, about a year and a half prior to that. And I loved working for the church all my life. I grew up in this, you know, amazing, beautiful, multicultural, diverse church that my parents had started in the early eighties. And all I knew was, you know, all I knew when it came to Christianity and church was what I had been raised in, which was just, you know, a, a very charismatic, spirit-filled, um, evangelistic church that just believed God could do the impossible. And so I'd watch my parents, you know, lead our church to start a school, a Bible college, a camp, a dream center, go on mission trips, seeing, you know, millions of people give their hearts to Jesus on these large evangelistic outdoor services my parents did um, in Russia, Haiti, uh, you know, Myanmar, um, across Great Britain. So I watched my parents do this ministry in a really powerful way. And now I'm watching my hero deteriorate right in front of me. His body just began to change in those final, final six weeks that he was alive. And in that moment, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with him in his hospital room and he's like, I'm going to come and do your wedding, which he came in person during chemo treatment, did my wedding, which was very emotional for my wife and I, very emotional for me wow. um, and our whole church. We invited the whole church. They hadn't seen him for like five weeks because he preached every Sunday in the pulpit. He never missed a Sunday, which was part of where his body just wasn't rested um, and kind of led to some of that. And so in that moment when he was passing away, I'm crying. And my dad had just told me the week before he asked me to preach my very first weekend service. I had preached during the midweek at our, at our college service. I had preached for our youth group, preached for our, um, you know, adult middle of the week service, but it was right before he passed away that he said, I want you to preach a weekend. And I think you're ready. And I was like, dad, you know, I'm 24 the church is way older than me. They've watched me since I was a baby. Before I was even born, the church was large. And mm. he was like, no, you're ready. And that vote of confidence meant a lot. But he never did tell me that one day I would be the pastor. He just said, I think you're ready to start preaching more um, on Sundays and stuff. And so then, you know, the night that he passed away, I'm sitting by his bed. We're in the hospital and the EKG monitor flatlines. And I just sat on his bed. I just cried, put my head on his, on his stomach, put his hand over my head, pretending like he was maybe still alive. But in that mm -hmm. moment, I could feel just something from his hand transferring like an electricity over my head. And I felt like I was saying, you know, I, I almost just said, Lord, whatever you have on my dad, please don't let it stop with him put it on me, put it on me, God, I want, I want what my dad carried. And at the same time, I was praying, Lord, bring my dad back to life, bring my dad back to life. The doctors, the nurses were saying, Hey, you know, um, it, it's, it's not good to, to keep him like this. Now that he's passed away, we need to start preparing him for, for burial and, um, all of that. And so, you know, our whole family is just weeping in the room, but I heard the Lord speak to me in that moment, not, not loud, not audibly, but just in my heart, I heard the Lord say, serve your mom, serve the church and get ready because you're going to pastor these people soon. And I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't want to tell my older brother, older sisters, because I started thinking about the story of Joseph. And I was like, I don't want to be sold as a slave. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to share a dream that's maybe not from God. And so I kept it to myself. I told my wife and she said, yeah, let's not tell anybody that Paul, if, if God wants you to one day pastor, he'll make that happen. Not you. And so I did, I kept it to myself. Um, 
right before my dad had passed, he had given me a key to my office and I had used to be a janitor at another place I worked. And I was like, dad, when I was a janitor, I had keys to all the offices, all the rooms. And I said, now you're only giving me one key. And he was like, Paul, that's all you need to your office. And I said, but dad, I want access to the whole building. It's, you know, you're the pastor. I'm your son. You give more trust and access to the janitors than you do your own flesh and blood. And he was like, no, you only need one key, just the key to your office. So when he passed away, oftentimes I would, you know, try to come up to the church just to cry, pray, journal, write on the piano, because I was a worship leader as well as um, pastoring the, the college ministry. And so I would come up here and I would be locked out of the building, not just locked out of the, the front door. I was locked out of, you know, four doors to, to get into the actual worship auditorium. You had to unlock one door, then unlock another door, then unlock another door. And I didn't have the key for it. And so I remember that first year or two after he passed, just being frustrated, angry, dealing with my own emotions with, you know, missing my dad. Our church began to shrink. Thousands of people left because they were used to hearing my dad. My mom stepped in as the interim pastor during that time. She was doing an incredible job um, leading our church through a very difficult time. But um, people weren't used to seeing a, a female pastor in the pulpit every Sunday and they were so connected to my dad that it was really hard for them to just all of a sudden change their, their style. My mom was very different than my dad's style of preaching. And so I remember during that time, just battling so much depression, discouragement, watching close friends leave our church, watching the finances go down. My mom watching her go through the emotional pain of having to lay off, you know, dozens of employees and, and asking me to do it. She was like, Paul, I need you to help. And I remember the Lord speaking to me, whatever your mom needs, say yes, just serve her, lift her hands up. She's the Moses. You're going to be the Aaron and the her that comes beside her and just holds her. Um, And so I did, you know, my wife and I, we just served her whatever she needed. And it was painful during that time. And then not to mention feeling locked out constantly of our building because I didn't have the keys and I didn't just feel locked out physically. I felt locked out, you know, spiritually i felt like i didn't have the keys to the same anointing my dad had or the vision casting or the ability to raise funds or the ability to connect with people young and old um i just felt so locked out of my destiny and this one night i was trying to break into our church because a janitor wasn't able to come and he was like hey i'm locking up buildings on the other side of town it's going to be at least an hour and a half before i can get over there you'll just have to wait So I start trying to break into our church. You know, I'm using my credit card to try to shove it between the cracks and the doors. I'm trying to, you know, bang through the the, the door itself. And and I couldn't get in. And so I was like, snap, you know, what do I do? Um, And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to take out this little key my dad gave me. And I'm going to try to wiggle it around and then, you know, yank on the door and see if I can bust it open. Well, when I stuck my little key in there, it fit perfectly. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Hmm. That's really crazy. I've never tried that before. And and all of a sudden I turn it and it unlocks the door. And I was like, what is happening? Did, did God just change my key? Did an angel just come and morph my key, you know? Hmm. And so I went into the hallway and I I tried it on another door and it unlocked that door. Then I tried it on another door, unlocked that door. Then I went to the big, you know, 5,000 seat auditorium that just intimidated me. And I tried it on that door and it unlocked it. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that I have the master key. And 
I realized my dad had given me the master key, but it didn't say master on it. It just, it was, it was the only number on the key letter on the key was B. And so I had no clue that this key was the key that unlocked every door to victory. And I just started weeping because I was like, Oh my goodness, I've had the master key for years and I didn't know I had it. And I felt locked out this whole time. Um, from my destiny, from the the confidence I needed. I felt insecure, felt unworthy, felt, you know, like I could never measure up to my dad. And, and there in that room, it dawned on me, wow, I have the key. And I could almost see my dad in heaven, like laughing, like he finally gets it. He's had what it takes all along. He just never knew, wow. it. you know, just this epiphany moment. And so um, from that moment on, something shifted. And it wasn't like overnight, I all of a sudden had this confidence or this authority or strength, but I started walking into rooms with more, with more confidence, with more authority and with more uh, of an understanding that God has put what I need inside of me to lead our church. And my mom started calling on me to preach more on the weekend. She started saying, Hey, I really feel like there's an anointing on you. You're supposed to lead more. And then she tells me, she says, your dad never told you this, but he told the board that one day you would be the pastor. And I was like, oh my goodness, I felt that calling, but I didn't want to say anything. And she said, well, get ready because it's going to come probably on my fifth year of leading the church is when I'm going to hand it off to you. And sure enough, she led the church for five years after my dad passed. And then in 2014, uh, my wife and I had our first child and she said, it's time. It's time for you to step in as pastor. At that time, I was 28 and I turned mm-hmm. 29 the, the first weekend of, of preaching at Victory as the pastor. And so I've been leading it now for seven years and God's been faithful. We've, uh, we've seen a lot of growth. We've seen the finances strong. We've seen the ability now to, to even just build more, do, do more with vision and be able to launch more, you know, campuses. And, and, um, there's things that God has just brought to pass that I just think, man, that's the faithfulness of God from generation to generation. And my mom is still part of the church. She still, uh, leads our prayer ministry. People ask, you know, what did your mom do when she passed it off to you? Um, she actually felt more free than ever to do what she loves to do, which is she loves like leading Bible studies with, um, with people who love to like dig into revelation and, you know, all of that. So she leads a Sunday night Bible study and then she leads our prayer ministry. Um, but yeah, God's, God's blessed the church. And I knew when I was a kid that one day I wanted to serve my parents, but I didn't know that I would be the pastor until, until the night that my dad passed away. That's when I felt that calling that one day I would pastor. Wow. It's such, I mean, it's just as moving for me to hear it right now, Pastor Paul, as it was when I heard it at Synergize, just because I, there's so much symbolically in that story. I I find it intriguing that your father didn't tell you that he was giving you the master key. So do you think he wanted you to discover that on your own? I think so. And I honestly think part of it was, when he, so here's the interesting thing. When he went into the hospital is when he gave me that key. Hmm. So he, he had given me a key, um, a year and a half before. And, and then he gave me that key and he said, that's the key to your office. But so oh. then it was like, I, I wonder if maybe he was so sick. He didn't think to tell me that that unlocked other doors. And then part of me, part of me thinks maybe 
he knew, but he didn't want to say it. So I honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like, to this day, I'm like, did he know that he gave me that or Hmm. was he, or was he holding it back? You know, but either way, it's an amazing thing that it, that it happened like that. I I was about to say that either way, it doesn't change the fact that God used that not only to help you step into what were really big shoes for you to fill. Like you said, looking at that 5,000 seat auditorium and the intimidation. And I think sometimes people can look at leaders, especially the way God is really using you and your ministry and the favor that's on your church. And they just think, you know, we're made out of steel, you know, and can leave tall buildings in a single bound. But, you know, there's human emotions involved with all of these. And you, you were literally overnight, you know, transitioning. And even though it was a, a five-year process, I also loved how you said literally the key was not only, you know, you felt locked out of your destiny, but it was unlocking every door to victory. And that's the name of your church. So not only the church, the doors in your church, but just the victory in your life and the victory that was going to come to so many people's lives. You said something, Pastor Paul, that's really, I think, critical for so many of us that maybe feel locked out of our destiny is that you, you said it a couple of times. You said, you know, I just served. And then my wife and I served my mom. And then I knew all along I wanted to serve. So it's obvious to me, listening to your story, that you're posture of saying, God, I'm just here to serve in whatever way that looks like, that that was really the training ground that God used to be able to catapult you into such a position of favor. Do you see that as being a connection, especially for people who do feel like I feel locked out of my destiny? How do I get this door unlocked? How do I move out of this place? Eric, would you feel like the heart to serve is a critical piece of being able to see God use you and, and, and really stepping into your destiny. Absolutely. I think if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. And I, I heard that when I was in college, um, someone came, and I don't remember who said it, but they came to our, our university when I was in college at Oral Roberts University. And they said, if you're not serving somewhere, you're not setting yourself up to be a great leader. Um, If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. And it really challenged me that I am called to serve in every season. And we only graduate into greater levels of servanthood with each promotion. Like Mm -hmm. when I became the lead pastor, I didn't change my serving role. I, I, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't like, it wasn't like, oh, now, now I'm no longer in a volunteer servant role. No, no, no. I still am. It's now it's the even greater level of serving because I'm serving more people and, and looking out for how can I help them? How can I meet their needs? How can I fill in the gap where there's spaces that, you know, we need help. And so I, you know, for, for that season that I wasn't the pastor, the Lord said, whatever your mom needs, say yes. And Mm -hmm. I tell people who are in transition, um, if you're going to one day lead the organization that you hope to lead and you're underneath that that person who's you know telling you that someday they're going to pass the baton off to you you need to figure out everything they do and the only way to do that is to say yes to everything they ask you to do so there were times my mom was like i need you to do a funeral well i had never done a funeral before but my commitment to god was whatever she needs say yes and i said i'll do a funeral she said you know one day she said i need you to go and meet with a congressman And you're going to lead a prayer for the city council meeting. And I was like, I've never done that before, but 
whatever she needs, I'm going to say yes. And there was moments where I was doing things that were so out of my comfort zone that weren't even my style of ministry. But if she needed it, like one night she said, we're going to do a night to honor Israel and I need you to lead it and plan it. And I was like, whoa, that's Mm -hmm. not even my, you know, top passion. But if you want me to do it, I'll do it. So I was learning, you know, um, my mom and dad's heartbeat, their DNA, um, what they do, what their schedule's like, what it takes, the weight to carry by just saying yes and serving. And then through that, the serving created a growth inside of me that wouldn't have happened had I not been serving. So people who serve, um, the more they serve, the more they grow into who God's called them to be. And the more that they understand the weight of leadership, that leadership, you know, it has a weight with it. And you don't know that until you serve. That's so good. And thank you for clarifying, because you're right. I almost set the question up as first you were serving and then you were leading. And you're basically saying, no, you just graduate into a greater level of servanthood, which really Jesus is who ultimately modeled that for us. And I know I'm not interviewing your mom, but can I just pause and just say, like, she's quickly becoming my hero over here, Pastor Paul, because look at the way that she just even kept sensing the voice of God in her life to say, okay, now I'm going to ask you to do this. Now I'm going to ask you to do that. And as a mom, as a female pastor, I mean, I'm just so encouraged not only by your story, but by hers and how you kept posturing yourself to serve. And she kept being willing to even step out of her comfort zone and say yes to God. And really, it took both of those yeses, I think, to, to together accomplish what God is now doing through the ministry of victory. Yeah, it really did. It, it requires it requires humility on both sides you know, Mm. when there's transition. Um, and I think that she modeled that so well, just a teachable spirit, a, uh, hands open spirit to say, this is not mine. This is God's and I'm going to steward it the best I can until it's time to hand it off. And so that, that makes me even aware that one day I'm going to steward, I'm going to hand this off to someone and I can't just grip it with a Kung Fu grip. You know, I've got to, I've got to, you know, keep my hands open that God wants me to, to empower and equip other people to learn and to experience and have the opportunity to do these things that, that we get to do as pastors. That's so good. And I, I don't want to end the interview here in conversation without asking you really how God is, is using you to make your life matter through Victory Church. You, you have a very creative approach to ministry. And I just want to ask you what it has been like to lead and pastor in a pandemic. We're still not a hundred percent even out of this season. What has that felt like? What needed to change for you? And what have you seen God do even just in the miraculous through it? Yeah, I think, you know, when the pandemic started in March and at least when it started in, in our state, I know it started in different places sooner, but when it hit Oklahoma, it it really did cause a um, just a fear and anxiety, it seems like, worldwide. But in our state, it's interesting because we were already in, and we're a real big like oil um, city. And so there was an oil um, dispute going on at the, the start of that same time in March that caused a ripple effect where so many people were being laid off from work um, oh, wow. at, their, at their job here in Tulsa. And, and then the pandemic hit. And so then all these part-time employees are laid off and restaurants are shutting down and everybody's shutting down. And so fear swept across our city and anxiety. And then, you know, every church was shutting down, shutting down. And I heard the Lord, like in the middle of the night, the Lord just woke me up 
and I heard these words in my heart in the middle of March, God favors the bold, God favors the bold. And I was like, Lord, I feel like we're supposed to stay open, but I don't know how to do that. And I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get arrested. You know, I was seeing like threats about pastors being arrested for having church services and, you know, getting canceled by the cancel culture mob and being accused of COVID spreading super spreaders. So I was trying to figure out what do we do? What do we do? But the Lord just said, you know, rise up and show the church that there's faith over fear and there's courage in a crisis. And so mm. I called our outreach people and I said, Hey, um, we're going to do outreach. We're going to do grocery. We're going to do groceries in the gospel in our parking lot. I'm going to get up on top of the roof and we're going to pass out groceries to everyone who comes that needs help. Um, and we're going to challenge the people who have money and have what they need to bring a bag of groceries and bless someone who's in need. And so the first service we did was right there in the middle of March, the, basically the, the eighth day of the pandemic, when our city had been shut down, we launched our first rooftop revival service mm. and 4,000 people show up and 800 people get saved and hundreds of people are in tears and a line getting groceries saying, you know, I just got laid off from work. I'm afraid about how I'm going to be able to pay bills and you guys are giving me hope. And then the next week it was just, it just kept growing and, you know, hmm. national news starts running stories on it. We started passing out thousands of, of hot meals and, and kids that couldn't go to school and parents who, you know, didn't know how they were going to homeschool their kids are coming out of the parking lot and they're getting hope. They're getting help. Our whole, we have a school, a Christian school. So all of our teachers and our coaches started really helping the whole city. And not just the the private school kids, but multiple public school kids. And then we started bringing them out to the Dream Center. We have a Tulsa Dream Center that we we launched um, about 20 years ago, and it just exploded with help. We mm. started doing like drive through grocery giveaway, drive through evangelism. We ended up helping lead 39,000 people to Jesus over 30 weeks during 2020 in the pandemic. And it was just crazy, you know, fish jumping in the boat, just saying, I need, I need wow. Jesus. I need to get saved. I need help. I need hope. And, um, and so with that, you know, it just, it caused good and bad publicity. So we, we definitely got attacked by people who didn't understand. There was a lot of liberal news outlets that decided to target our church when they saw mm -hmm. how many people were showing up. And we reopened um, in the middle latter part of May because our mayor said, you can reopen, but you're going to have to reopen social distancing. Well, we did. And thousands of people showed up. People were just kind of tired of, of being online and, and watching from home. And so we, we started seeing like every service filling up to the point where it kind of made me nervous. I was like, wow, what do we do? And I was calling other pastors in our city and they were saying, you know, we're still at 30%. And I said, is that on purpose or people just aren't coming back? And they were like, people aren't coming back. Hmm. And so then, so then I was trying to figure out, well, why are they coming here? Why are people showing up at our church if they're not showing up at these other churches in town? And these were our church members. It wasn't like, you know, all these other churches had started coming to victory. But all of a sudden it was like there was something about the faith in our house and the victory and the the culture and the vibe of like, hey, we're going to we're going to live with courage, even if if we're canceled mm -hmm. by the mob of people who don't understand. And I think that just drew in so many lost people. So even this last weekend, we've had, we've had overflow rooms just filled up 
And it's, it's crazy how God has grown our church through the pandemic. Um, and so I keep telling our team, like team, whatever we got to do to make sure we're following health codes and doing things right. So we still have all the, you know, signs up asking people to wear a mask, but we're not turning people away if they don't wear a mask. And I think sure. that's part of why people are attracted is because, is because it's a little bit less restricted. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens with the current administration. I'm just kind of gearing myself up for whatever, whatever we need to do. Mm-hmm. But what you've seen is, and what you're showing us is God is not limited by anything. So your ability to pivot and I mean, 39,000 salvations in 30 weeks during a pandemic, when you really would have thought, Oh my goodness, nothing is going to happen. The bottom's going to drop out. Look at the way God it has used you. It's going to continue to use you, your obedience. And I'm, I'm just, I love hearing your story. I love following the way God is using your church online. I want to make sure that people can connect with you and invite you to pray over us in just a moment, Pastor Paul. But before I let, you know, have you share how they can connect. I, I always like to end with, with one kind of fun question and other than Jesus. And I would imagine your dad, I know you can't wait. My father-in-law is in heaven and uh, I'm sure they're having a grand old time. But other than Jesus, when you get to heaven, what one person in the Bible do you want to talk to first? And what question would you like to ask them? Mm, probably I would love to. I mean, my two people that I look up to the most in the Bible is David and the Apostle Paul. Mm, um, yeah. So it would be it would be a. Uh, probably like a, I don't know, I'd want to meet both of them, uh, like back to back. And I think, yeah, I don't know what question I would ask as much as I would just want to sit and like talk to them and just, you know, ask them all kinds of stuff. I don't have like one yeah. main question, but probably just talk and, and kind of hear, hear, hear their all heart, them. to know them. Yeah. Yeah, what a day it's going to be to finally just meet all of our heroes of the faith. And they were human just like us. We've talked about our human emotions that we navigate and how to be bold and, you know, favor. God gives favor to the bold and having courage in a crisis and, you know, unlocking the doors to destiny. There's so many great things that we've talked about in this conversation. Guys, some of you need to go back and listen to it again and just kind of chew on some of these nuggets that Pastor Paul has shared. And you see this pattern of obedience and just saying, God, you know, yeah, I'm going to serve. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to trust you. And when we do that and we give God our full obedience, he can He can do the rest. So thank you, Pastor Paul. Let everyone know how they can connect with you, especially I know you have worship albums, the church. You know, how can they find you online, watch your services, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, definitely. So people can find me on Instagram at Paul Darty. Um, the spelling of my last name is a little tough. It's D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. Uh, but that's, you know, just my name and then Facebook, same thing, Paul Darty, Twitter, same handle, Paul Darty. And then they can go to victory.com, which is really easy, obviously to type in your website, um, just victory.com. And they'll find all the information about our church sermons, you know, all this stuff out there, um, that they could all, all of it's free and accessible right there. Thank you so much. Your worship albums are there too, Pastor Paul at victor.com. Yes. Yes. Okay. Worship albums are there. Okay. Wonderful. I know people are going to want to find you and listen to your music. I, I heard a little clip of you singing How Great That How Great Is Our God. Is that your sanctuary you were singing in on Instagram? Yes, man. Yes, man. Oh, that was great. That was great. I wanted you to keep going. It was too short. So I got to uh, get your worship thank albums. You. 
I gotta get I'm a worse person. So I'm like, no, keep going, keep going. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing not only your story, but just the way you've seen God move and encouraging us to trust God, even in the middle of these challenging times. We know God is going to continue to give you favor and your wife, your family, your church, your mom. Thank you all for your obedience and for the way God has given you strength to bear up even under criticism, but you've had courage in a crisis and you inspire so many of us to do the same. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I would love for you to just pray over our listeners as we close. Yes, definitely. Um, well, let me say this before I pray. Thank you so much, Angela. Thanks for just your encouraging words and just your spirit. Um, you know, I remember when we met at that conference, just the way that you spoke, the way that you interacted with people, you are doing an incredible job and you are a great leader and, um, just watching you from a distance from afar. I just think, man, there is some, there is, there is something powerful on your life that you, you bring to every person you encounter. So thank you for being you. Thank you for involving me in your planet this week on your podcast. Let me be a part of your world. Um, and it, and it's awesome. So hopefully we get to reconnect and I'll pray if that's okay. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Lord, I just pray for every person who's listening, every person who um, is connected to this podcast, and I pray your blessing on them, your favor on them, your peace over them, your joy inside them. Help them to see that they have the master key, uh, the key that unlocks the door to the destiny, the dreams, the victory you've called them to walk in. I thank you, Lord, that if they've second-guessed themselves or they feel ashamed of their past, or unworthy, or unqualified, that maybe this testimony today would just remind them, God, that, that what you've put inside them and who you are inside of them is more than enough to, to do what you've called them to do. And I thank you, God, right now, just for Pastor Angela, God, her, her family, her church, God, that you're blessing them, you're opening doors for them. God, you're continuing to um, just shower them, Lord, with uh, more and more of, of your glory, God, in and through their church, your power, God, testimonies that, that are going to draw people into the church and continue to change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDonatio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at AngelaDonatioVOV and Instagram at AngelaDonatio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, CPNShows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.